This is a show about individual experience and personal identity. There may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you. That's part of what we're exploring here. Please listen with an open heart, and as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your own life and with your own community. Welcome to Query. Hey, Queeros, Cami here today on the show, a chat with my pal Stephanie Allen from the L Word Generation Q. And also we played Wives one time, many years ago. Very fun to talk to her. Hey, I'm also doing some shows right now. We'll continue to monitor what's going on with the Delta variant, but a lot of these places I'm performing have a mask mandate and vaccination requirement. You can find out more information by going to CameronEsposito.com slash tour hyphen dates. I'm going to be in Brooklyn on August 26th and 27th. I'm going to be in Philadelphia September 3rd through 5th. I'll be in Portland September 15th, San Francisco September 16th, and I will be in Salt Lake City October 14th. Gosh, I really hope you can be there. Head out to the internet and buy those tickets today. Bye-bye. I've been feeling wrong, but I'm still Do you like doing this on Zoom or would you prefer to be in person? You know, I mean, it's such a good question. I think like it's working at this point. I love, I obviously I love seeing other human beings, <laughs> but I feel very used to it. Like I feel yeah. very used to it at this point. How about right. you? How are you in your cycle like, of I communication, think, communicating with people? <laughs> I think I... <laughs> I feel similar, but I was like, actually this morning, I was like, God, I actually wish I was like in a studio with you because I just to get everything set up, I'm like, oh, it's so much easier to just not think about any of that and to sit with someone. But I also, I surprised, I do feel like I'm with you right now. Right. Well, you mean like, because then I have to say (laughs) the... I'm really good at doing my job. It turns out I'm not great at doing other people's jobs, like (laughs) plugging a microphone into a computer. I had to have a separate meeting with Jordan and Matt where they basically just told me how to do that. Like like months ago. That's what I've done. (laughs) (laughs) But it was, but when I like, I was like, I was like, you two, like, I really need help. I like, I'm not gonna be able to do this by myself. And they got on a Zoom with me, and it was truly like, plug it into this side. <laughs> I, I was on one, and I'm like, okay, this is what it looks like. Yeah. And then where? <laughs> it, was, it was so challenging, and it really <laughs> didn't need to be. Um, okay. Well, I, hey, first of all, I think all of this human stuff, let's use it, Jordan. But um, <laughs> would you introduce yourself? I always have guests introduce themselves. Oh, okay. Um, I'm Stephanie Allen, and I am a writer and an actor and now producer and director, which is new, but I'll include that. Um, And I'm currently about to be on season two of the L Word Generation Q. Yeah, you said writer first. That's cool. I don't know that. That's why it's fun to have people introduce themselves. Yeah. That's cool that that's what you said first. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. I would say that would be first and foremost. I don't... Yeah. Talk talk to me about that. Is that always how you first and foremost identified? No. I think I, like, growing up, I was like, I want to be an actor. And then uh, I dropped out of high school and I uh, started doing the Groundlings. And... I, there, I was like, oh, they're like, writing's a huge part of this. And you write your own characters and you write your monologues. And so I did the Groundlings forever and I would write sketches that were not really sketches. They were more like little plays. And I was kind of like, well, no, it's a piece. And they're like, this doesn't really go in our show. Um, (laughs) And so then I, like, that led to like, oh, I'm actually a writer. And I like learned that through that process. I I don't think I know this. So that must, are you from here? 
Are you from Los Angeles? Um, oddly, yeah. My Both my parents are from Los Angeles, but I didn't grow up here. Both my parents are from here. I was born in Arcadia, lived in Claremont, which is like as far east as you can go before you're in the Inland Empire. And then I lived in Temecula, which is like Sandy, where like Riverside, San Diego, and Orange County collapse into um, born-again Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> The hub. Yeah. And, uh, and then I lived in Buffalo, New York, which is also odd. When did you, <laughs> how did you get to that? All of those other ones it's seem like they're mess. related to each other, but Buffalo, New York feels like the oddball in that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. My, we really just dove right in. My dad worked on the Challenger and that didn't go well. And his company in Los Angeles, he did the like, um, he had nothing to do with the problem. Wait, but, hang on a second. I know none of this. <laughs> I never talk about this. I also, don't know that. I, yeah, I mean, I, and I, if if it's okay with you, I'd love to hear more about this. It's also funny because just for anybody that's listening, I've, we've known each other for a while. Yeah. Like we were, we played wives. We played wives on the television show Marin. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think we're like in concentric circles of comedy town, you know, like yep. two degrees of we separation. We cross paths a lot. Cross paths a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think we've ever had a conversation that wasn't like about the lunch that we were eating on set or <laughs> totally. like, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I have no idea anything about you, which is kind of right. amazing to get to know a little bit about your life. Okay. So your dad It's so crazy. Like, I can't even believe. No, not at all. He does high temperature textiles, which was like, it's like fireproof material. Like space Uh, suits? It could be, or he does like, like he did like Boeing airplanes, like it, like the, like insulation of it. And like, that is such a specific job. I've never heard of this job. Super weird. It exists. Right. Um, but it's one of those ones where. And it's like random things like um, like the Rolling Stones were doing a concert where they used like fireworks and fire. So he like did the curtains for it, like random Rolling Stone <laughs> curtain designer. Yeah. Classic. I mean, look, I'm sorry Classic to drag, <laughs> but um, no, this he is did like make incredibly the cool. So what do you have to be an engineer? What is he yeah. an engineer? No, I mean, he's really in like. It, my, it comes from engineering, but he like kind of does the sales of it all and like oh, wow. kind of o- oversees the company. So more on the business side. So he was working on the Challenger so during on, all of those moves. So he did the cha- like his company. That was like a huge project they were doing when I was. I don't know what year that was, but like pretty young, and I was living in LA. Oh my god! Yeah, and, and there's going to be younger people. That don't even know what we're talking about. So right. I will just say that that was. A Why sp- don't you give some history of? I'll just challenger. say that that was a space shuttle that exploded. Um, and one thing that I mean, first of all, that's terrible news. Uh, but and there were people on it. Right. Um, and then one thing that was particularly, um, like of note because we were little kids at the time, is that there was a teacher. Right. Um, Krista McCullough, who was yeah. on the Challenger. And so because she was on there, a lot of classrooms Watched broadcast it. the launch, like at school. And so if you're of a certain generation, which I am, you like watched this terrible disaster happen at school with all your classmates. Like there were right. just like little kids watching. And do you have that memory? Did you like? I think I re- more remember like that it happened. I don't know if yeah. I remember being in the class in that moment. I just think I remember like, um, because also not everything was live. Like it was a very different time in television. I kind of put that with um. This is like a very different thing, but when like O.J. Simpson was driving away in the Ford Bronco, my parents maybe turn off the television because nothing was like oh, live. Like you know, right. when, we, when we were kids, it wasn't today. There were like four channels, and so things were like really. It was hard to get totally. a camera crew out. 
so it wasn't stuff wasn't live that often um to, or at least to the same degree and so when that chase was happening they were like if this ends really terribly we don't want right. you to be seeing that live because i was like a teeny kid so i just sort of totally. remember in that family of things were like that happened after yeah. your parents had a had a sort of like a fear because of right. like, do you remember this moment because you're no, obviously you were closer to it really young so i don't even yeah. remember i think i was really young too yeah, yeah we're probably close in age like i don't remember it at all i don't i'm i cert i think i was like 2 or 3 yeah and um yeah maybe anyway. i wasn't even in school yeah um, but go ahead what were you say well so it was mainly just that that his company that he was working for the long story to why I got to Buffalo of like that company in LA went like basically went under after that. I think a lot of companies that worked on that were like, um, were like out of here. Yeah. 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 And so he just ended up working for this random company that was based out of Buffalo. And so we moved there and both of my parents are like from LA. They're a little hippy dippy in ways, especially my mom. And then we went to Buffalo, which is like, not that, not, I mean, the culture shock of just like sports town, uh, hard work. And absolutely. absolutely. I was once, I was once doing, I was there for like a weekend at, it must've been like the improv, like some like club and there was a full blizzard and they did not cancel shows. No. And so I was just performing for like <laughs> 10 people or whatever, like whoever wanted to like still go out their lives to see stand up. Like it was so, it truly was snowing oh, to such a degree. It was, uh, I mean, it's so time. cold. It's so intense. And, and there's just like a real, there's a very specific belief system and vibe to those sort of, um, it's not that it's like, I guess it's part of the Rust Belt, but that kind of situation. And so that was jarring. And then I was there through sixth grade and then right. moved back. It almost feels Midwestern to me. Yeah. Having grown up in Chicago, it has like that yeah. vibe. Yeah, totally, um, totally. It's not New York City. It's like, yeah. it's way more <laughs> right. Midwest. Right, yeah. So you were there and feeling odd about it and then got to come back to LA. Yeah. And I, mean, I, was better there, about that? I was there kindergarten through sixth grade. So I was, it was like very much for me, that was sort of the norm. And my, remember my mom, like I came home from school and I was like, mom, they're like, I have to color in the lines. And she was like repulsed of like, <laughs> they told you that, that you wow. like just couldn't stand that kind of style. Uh, but I was, I mean, I, I feel like that's like in me, that kind of like way of being and, and sports and competitive and, and then like coming to California when I was in seventh grade was like, oh, this is nice. Yeah. I also don't think I knew that you dropped out of high school to, to, to work with the groundlings, like to me, so, which is a comedy theater here. Um, that to me is like a level of knowing what one wants to do that I can't even imagine having when I was in high school. Like I was doing, I was doing some really different stuff than that. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. for sure. <laughs> like I I, don't, It felt <laughs> like a, cause I was like, I really thought I was like going to go to like NYU and I was going to do like theater and then I was going to be an actor and I wanted to do that whole thing. And then I toured those schools and those programs and I was like, Oh, this is, so not me and these this is not my group and and maybe it was not you about it I think that kind of like well specifically when I toured Tish that sort of presentational theater thing of like hello I wish we could see your hands because I know what those hands mean like this guy like pretended to fall down the stairs and then he landed and he was like doing Willy Wonka stuff and (laughs) (laughs) What is <laughs> like during the tour? Yes. Oh no. Oh. It was very that like um teenage, you know, they ha- they were they were teenagers touring the school that were like I'm going like 
Yeah. It wasn't great. And it probably wasn't what the school would have been, but it really freaked me out. And it I was mean, maybe. Um, I don't know. My yeah, little maybe. sister was a theater kid and like she was such an oddball and still is. And she's like thriving. She has figured it out. She has figured out how to make that into a full lifestyle. And That's she amazing. doesn't work in the theater, but like it's like a thing. You know, she was a theater yeah. kid growing up and that was a whole it's a whole like, thing. For, for a long period of her childhood, she would only wear a Dalmatian costume and eat on the floor. <laughs> like that's who yes, ends up at theater that's school. Who was there. She was meant to be there and she did end up there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I was like, I was a theater kid. Like I did musical theater. I loved theater. I was like, this is. And then I think that I simultaneously in high school was going to groundling shows and uh-huh. I didn't. And that was sort of like, Oh, that's like actually what I like, but I'm, this is what you're supposed to do. And this is whatever. And so then when I was there, I was like, oh, I guess I don't really want to do this. And I could just go do that. And I think as soon as I had that realization that, oh, I could actually drop out of high school and stop going here every day and go do that, I, my like head exploded and I've never, I was so happy. Were you the, were other people in high school? That feels like you were maybe hanging out with people who were um no way yeah they were like 30 <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was i i did like when i got there i was like oh they would all go to bars i'm like can i go in here <laughs> yeah like um yeah. what was yeah, that experience for like? sure oddly i really great like i felt immediately like those were the people I've been looking for my whole life. And a lot of those people are drastically older than me, but also still some of my closest friends. And, and then I simultaneously, once I was doing that, I found the Upright Citizen Brigade Theater, which actually became more of a a home base for me where I was performing. And, and similarly, I like the, I like all the different ages there. I like that feeling. When did you start Working at the UCB? Like, when do you start taking classes there? Like, Groundlings is a whole process. Like, it's, like, years and years of doing right. it. So I was, like, in the midst of doing that, and UCB came... I, I would have... I finished high school in 2005. So then, I mean, dropped out then. And so that's when UCB came to Los Angeles from New York. And I was doing Groundlings stuff because that was kind of the only place. And then I knew this other theater was kind of opening and starting, and I took, when I started taking classes there, it's so different now, but I was able to kind of go through that quickly and start performing. And so that was in 2008. And I've performed there pretty regularly since then. Yeah. And you also, I mean, did start getting job jobs, not that the Groundlings isn't a job, because I know people work their fingers and like... <laughs> Yeah, it's like, so no like give your, it's like Scientology, yeah. like give your life over to it. And just, did, did you enjoy that experience? Um, highs and lows. I was, sure. I was in Sunday. I mean, I don't know if anybody, they have a whole program and the groundlings is like, it feeds SNL and it's sort of that, that sort of big character. When I was in high school and I was going to shows, I would see like Melissa McCarthy before she had ever done anything. And it was that sort of, huge character, huge set piece vibe, which I very much enjoyed doing. I wouldn't say it's my um, exact speed. And I found UCB to be that. So I, I very much enjoyed doing it and I did it for a long time, but ultimately it was not a, a match. Sure. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I don't know if people know what we're talking about, but I know. <laughs> It's like wigs. Right. It's like like it's, it's, wigs. <laughs> it's wigs and props, and you're yeah. like da, 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 da. yeah, sure, absolutely. I mean, I think I think people know. Yeah. Also, I think SNL is a great example of what we're talking about there. Versus what the what folks are doing at like the UCB. That's it's actually just more like it's just acting. Um, yeah. I mean, it's improvised acting, but it's really just acting. It's like way less. Um, you're like yourself on stage. Your yeah. energy is the same. You're doing improv and then they have like writers and they, and you, you had your show there forever. Like they have yeah. standups and 
Um, it's just a, it's just a different thing. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! So that's all going on in your life. And like, what else is going on in your human life outside of being a, a teenager who knows what job they want to do? And then, <laughs> which is, on that. Thanks. Um, yeah. You know, I, I mean, it's interesting because I think, and this is obviously very public to some people, but my, I didn't find my sexuality until much later and while knowing, let's say, what I wanted to do, that was so uh, not something I was... I think I've thought, oh, if I went to... If I actually did go to the theater school, I probably would have known I was gay pretty quickly. And Right. Sure. Like, okay. I would have found that in college, I think. And then instead, I was sort of this, like, weirdo teenager in Los Angeles, you know, kind of on my own, figuring things out. And... Uh, had like a mess of relationships with men and, and knew, and just thought like, oh, I haven't met the right person yet and had no sense of, oh, I'm, I'm gay. And then when I was 25, I met, I did the movie in a world, which is um, Lake Bell's movie that um, my wife Tig and I met on. And that's a great was, movie, by the way. It's great. I know it's so great. I mean, she yeah. did such a, like, she made such a great movie. Um, and we met on that, and that was sort of my, uh, we fell in love. And then I was like, oh, oh, gay. <laughs> That's a wild thing. Um, because, well, first of all, I feel like we were, like, talking not too long after that had happened. And I don't know. When you when you had this experience, did you immediately identify with the word gay? No. Like, is that the word? What would what would you have been? It took me so long. I think I I really thought I was straight. Like really, there was no I can look back now and go, oh, there were signs, and oh, I think I actually liked that girl. But I just thought she was cool. And but at the time I was like, oh my God, I'm straight. And I'm falling for this person. And that must have been very confusing. Yeah. And I or was maybe like, excited. Oh, super. I mean, it was hard because she was so like, I'm a gay person. She would be like, I'm a gay person. And I'm like, I know. And I, and I'm like, I'm so sorry that I'm not. And, but then we would hang out and, um, I clearly was falling in love with her. And, and then I thought, oh, I, I, who cares? Like love is love. I, it doesn't matter. And I'm in love with this person. And so I should just be with this person. And so then I thought, oh, I'm just with this person now. And if, however, anybody wants to label me, label me. And then through that relationship, I was like, oh, which was actually kind of tricky because when you're in a relationship with someone, that first relationship, let's say when you're with the same sex and you're like, oh, I'm, I'm exclusive to this person and I'm in love with this person. But then to go, oh, am I like to allow my brain to go, oh, I'm gay almost felt like a betrayal right. to the relationship because I'm, I'm starting to go, oh, there, I am attracted to women and there are and like, that is a part of me. Wow. And so, okay. so to explore that piece was, was also hard. 
Wow. I mean, I think so. I think I've, I think I first met you when you were sort of in that moment that you're talking about of thinking like this is the person. Like I kind of remember having a conversation about that. Yeah, I think we did. I think um, so. Where you were sort of talking about like this is just like this person is like this is just what's working for me and like I'm sort of um, loving that and moving forward in that yeah. direction. Um, right. And totally so, fine yeah. to do so. Exactly. Yeah. I think like, remember, yeah, I remember talking about that. Um, and I think something that sounds challenging in what you're talking about is, well, first of all, having any of that be happening while you're doing jobs that are in the entertainment industry. That sounds challenging. And then also like, you know, because I, st- I dated my, I like, and my first girlfriend when I was like 19, I think, or whatever. And, you know, then I had like a whole series of people that were where I was like really mess, messy <laughs> for a long period of time. Uh-huh. Um, and then I was like less messy and, yeah. you know, getting married for the first time. I just, I think like, I, I think I had a lot of different time to, um, process, all like of it. work through some adolescence and stuff like that. Yeah. But it, it sounds so truncated in what you're talking about that I'm wondering like how you dealt with that, how you dealt with, cause I know there's a lot of people listening. I know this is a thing who like meet someone and then that's who they're with, yeah. um, while they're also figuring out their sexuality and like, then they stay with that person. That was not my experience. And it just feels like I maybe got a chance to like, uh, move some of that energy in different areas, you know? Right. What you're talking about, it just sounds so challenging, but I know it's a thing. So maybe people would want to know how you, how you did it. Yeah. How did you deal with that? I think you, I mean, and I look, I'm in therapy, so I've had help, but like, you have to like, I think you really have to allow yourself to feel what you're feeling and go toward it. And I think you have to bring your partner in on that and communicate it. And, and it has nothing to do with the relationship in a way. It's more just that you really, and I think this goes for anybody in any relationship, like you have to, you have to own your own sexuality and you have to own yourself and that that has nothing to do with your partner and that they don't get a say in that. And, and that has, I mean, that has nothing to do with, are you cheating? Are you open? Are you whatever? It's just like, that is your thing. And it's, and when I got that, I was like, okay, I need to like really go inward with all of that and go, okay, I am gay. And what does that mean? And what would that have looked like if I was single? And what would that look like now? And, 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 and Tig and I have talked about this a lot in that I think going like, oh, I'm a straight person that's now in this relationship, bringing sort of patriarchal things that everybody naturally brings to relationships because that's what you've seen and that's what you've been brought up with. And so you get married and you do this and you do, and this is the way in which you do it. And it, and then you can look back and go like, oh, I guess we didn't have to do that version and we don't have to do it that way. And we can sort of backtrack and go, what do we want? What, what does feel right? Do you mean even sorting through like, what does a relationship look like? That's not based in like a hetero- heteronormative. Yeah. 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 And I think sure. that's really hard to do. And I think it when, is hard to do. Yeah. I think that takes forever actually, because, yeah. because, um, I actually will say most straight people I know also these days are working through that because yeah, I don't know a I ton mean. of, yeah, I don't know a ton of people who are, um, like, I don't even know who are They're, like, it, coming out at a debutante ball and then like immediately the husband works in finance and I like, I don't even know what I'm describing, but I don't know those people. I'm sure that's real. Um, but I don't know those people. So yeah, you're yes. Yeah. There is a lot. And it doesn't work like for, it does, it doesn't work for most people. Like you need like a, you need to set your own rules. Like you have to look at your partner and go, what are, what are we similar? Where are our values? Where are we similar? What, what is the right life for us? And I mean, this is so philosophical, but I do think it's really, uh, 
I don't know. It's, 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 it's interesting because I think even on like, I, or I was talking to a friend of mine who identifies as queer and she said, I'm like, that's so perfect. And she's a writer. And she was like, queer aside from let's say sexuality is just anything other. And so it's that feeling of other and different. And so she was like, even in writing, you want to do something that's queer. You want to do something that's other from like, here's the thing you see all the time. And that to me, I'm like, oh, that's what I, that's how I felt when I was with men. That's how I feel with TIG. That's how I feel just generally in life is other than whatever this normal thing is. (laughs) Yeah, man. Sure. (laughs) I hear you. Which I think I'm good. I hear you. Yeah. When I started with the challenger, I think I've set the tone. This is great. I love what we're talking about. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, Also, you are a parent. Yeah. And um, you and Tig have a little bit of an age gap going on. So I think like for a lot of. This is going to be these are going to be mass generalizations, but I'm just going off of like who I know. I know queer folks who are like, they were in a relationship um, that had like procreative options and they like come into a relationship with like a kid from that time in their life. And so like maybe they're a younger parent or I feel like I know a lot of um, couples where like procreative options are where it's like super where it's more complicated and that is expensive. And so there's like a barrier to entry that often puts us that sort of a person like later in life because you have to so, yeah. you have to make all the money to be able to do that totally um totally and i feel like because of this like little age gap thing that you were um younger than most people i know who became yeah. a parent that are queer is that your experience too like if you look at your peers are you younger than most people you know who have oh my god kids i mean queer? like a hundred percent i was like from my First of all, before I met Tig, I think just I was nowhere near having kids. And then when we met, she was in the process of trying. And so that was just like already in motion. And I always wanted kids. And so I was so on board to do that with her. Um, But Yes. I don't, I mean, until recently, I didn't have a single friend with kids and I also myself, like, I mean, this, I wasn't like a baby person. Like I, I had never, like, until we had our kids, I think they were like the first babies I ever held. And so I was so just new to that world of, um, being a mom and, And similarly to what I was saying before, did not totally relate to the world and the like machine of what it is to be a mom and like mom blogs and like the community around. I was like reading stuff from like, what? Like, I just didn't, didn't relate. And so, um, anyway, I mean, I got married, I got married and I had twins when I was 30, which in like the, into like the heteronormative world is not young, but right. in the queer world and especially in Los Angeles, I think it's extremely young. Yeah. I think again, because of that like barrier for folks that, that don't have like procreative options, like built into their relationship, there's the yeah. barrier of how expensive it is. And um, it's really, uh, a lot to do. I don't mean money, yeah. but I mean, just like, it's Oh yeah. Your, also, you know, organ- organization. You gotta, you gotta be organized. Yeah. There's a lot of follow up, follow through. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot going it's on. a lot. What, yeah. What do you mean? It's a lot. I mean, you just like the science of it, which is it's a lot. like kind of blew my mind and made me feel like so grateful for where we are in the world that this is all possible. But to sort of do IVF and to freeze your eggs and to make embryos. And we used a surrogate and um, the legal stuff behind um, surrogacy and a donor. And, you know, like you're just, it is a massive 
uh, situation. Yeah, it is a massive situation. That's that's also a, a huge barrier to entry. Also, so is you know, so is adoption. I think that's something when, whenever, at least when outside of the, um, I just feel like sometimes people that are haven't seen what this process is like, and then if if that process is being described, I'll hear somebody say like, "Well, what about adoption?" And it's just, it's. A wonderful and also a very complicated process. Yes. All of these are like super complicated processes and that involve in- a lot of moving parts. Like oh, it's not yeah. like nothing's guaranteed anywhere. Um, no. And like, you know, you have to find whoever is putting up their child for adoption. It has to select gay parents. Yep. And, and they, a lot of times that they want, they don't want that. And they want, and they want like a religious family and they want, they want certain things that are not in your favor. Yeah, absolutely. My dad, I think I've said this in the podcast before, but my dad was adopted from an organization that I would not be able to adopt from because it's called Catholic Charities and they don't adopt to us. So yeah, it's crazy. What a delight. (laughs) Um, But yeah, yeah. So there's, there are, it's just a super complicated process, no matter which way you're going even even you know the foster to adopt system like yeah that's tech that's technically the point of is actually to preserve um birth families like it's not it's not they're not actually trying to terminate parental rights they're actually they're trying to go for family reunification so what you're going in with is a hope to adopt then like that might not even be the right system um so yeah it's just super complicated across the board um yeah but there you are, you're 30, and this has worked for you. That's wild. Yeah, we did I, it. I think a couple, I think what I'm like struck by as you're sort of talking through a bunch of different times in your life, Buffalo, and then like being a younger person at um, the Groundlings, and then being a younger parent uh, is sort of like a maybe a little bit of like a peerlessness. And. Mm-hmm. You know, how have you, what skills have you developed to to help you with that in your life? Because it sounds like there's a couple different times where um, it could have felt really isolating or challenging. Yeah, I, um, I don't know. I guess I didn't feel that way. I think I felt. Oh, that's amazing. Know, yeah, like I. I mean, oddly, I think growing up, I felt I I always had my friends and I, you know, pretty much lived in suburbia my whole childhood. And I always knew I was an athlete and I was like a good student and I did theater and I always felt like I was not in something was wrong. Like I would these like I wasn't going to go beyond the basketball team in college. And then when I went to the theater school, I'm like, okay, this isn't right. And I could never quite figure out what I was looking for. And I really feel like doing improv was like, oh, this this sort of like I think people that do improv and you started an improv, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Like that. I think there's something about like not that you're an outsider, but you're sort of, um, you're observational and you, you like come people that are drawn to it, come to it with sort of this like certain viewpoint on life and experience. And so I found that those people, even though they were not the same age as me, um, were way more my peers and way more people that I was like very much in alignment with and socially felt like, I felt so at peace. Um, and I, I've really felt that way all the, like since, since I dropped out of high school. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I know what you're talking about for me. Like, I think I have some hypervigilance and like attunement to others. Um, yeah. And a like fast brain and brain <laughs> should, would it be so nice if I could slow down, slow down a little bit yeah. so I could sleep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, feeling on being on stage, even stand up feels that way to me because since I started as an improviser, stand up actually kind of feels like improv to me in that, like, I think somebody who didn't start that way, I've often heard comics 
talk about like a sort of a, I don't know, they're like fucking with the audience or something. I don't ever feel that way. I feel like I'm like uh, in a scene with the audience, yeah, like where totally. the audience is like my scene partner. Um, yeah. So that I totally know what you mean. That like flow is a, is a beautiful thing. It's for, it's very, uh, it's for me has been very, kind of spiritual, I guess yeah. is the right word. Yeah, exactly. And it's like the principle of improv of like, you, you walk out on stage, like you have nothing in your head, like clear your mind and you listen and respond. And you have to like take classes to learn how to do that. And you think it sounds so easy. And then you go up on stage and like what people are bringing and what they want to say and what they want to do. And it's like, no, just like build. And I think people that can like trust in life in that way, and they're not getting ahead of themselves. It's like t- for me, and when you say spiritual, like that is the goal of every moment and every day. Well, that's be in harder that for me off stage than it is on stage. I don't know how you're doing with that, but for me, like I feel like on stage, I can totally do that, and off stage, it's way more challenging for me. Um, we mean meaning like socially. No, and every it's like what you're talking about, like not pre-planning or bringing too much to the table, like being in the flow of things. Um, Mm -hmm. I can just be really intense. And so sometimes being in the flow of things is challenging. I have to remind myself, you know, but like on stage, I don't have to remind myself. It feels like it kind of naturally shifts into like what might be a great way to live. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I have been working on that. That's a lot of what I've been working on in the last couple of years is like, not needing that to be the space where that happens and then everywhere else. Right, um, right, right. I'm like a nervous wreck, but on stage I'm like yeah. chill vibes, you know? Um, it's really, I mean, in life, because it's like, you're basically going like, well, all will be revealed and we will Is that see. Where how you are actually, is that how you are living your life? <laughs> I think so. God almighty! Wow! I'm like, we'll see. <laughs> shit well can we spend more time together i'd like to know more (laughs) about what you're talking about i mean i honestly when you say that about like having kids at 30 i think that was basic i'm like yeah all right okay (laughs) amazing well and i but i do think it is a belief system because it's like it i think what plays in my head or what does play in my head is just like saying yes to life like you're like I'm, I want life to happen. I want to be in it and a part of it. And I don't want to feel like, I mean, not to get so nerdy about improv, but I could talk about it forever. But like, if you try to control the scene or if you bring like an idea, a preconceived notion or idea, you ruin it. It is ruined. And the audience feels it. And when something happens organically and naturally with, from all the best intentions, it's like the most, beautiful thing oh my god yeah 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 and when you like think about it in life in your life you're like that is when great things happen and when you meet the best people and when the best things happen in your career it's like magical you're like oh my god i was doing this other thing but then that showed up i feel speechless (laughs) (laughs) do you want to talk about the l word no. Fine. <laughs> no. Of course, of course. <laughs> um, and then I ended also, up on the L word. Start, do you want to start somewhere chill? I can start somewhere chill. Sex scenes. How, how, how? That's the question. D- prior to being... So, when you said yes, when you like... To being on the L word? Yes. Okay. Yes, you know... That's something that you would have known about because it's like part of it. Um, yeah. I'm curious as to what that feels like. Like, how is that for you? How is that experience for you? I watched the original L Word when I was like, am I gay? Like, I came to it later. I didn't watch it in real time. And, and I, what of did course, you find loved it. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I'm fully gay, number one, like beyond gay. And, uh, and, and I remember thinking, I wish I had seen this when I was a teenager, like that would have changed everything. I know for a fact. Um, 
Um, and oddly, I didn't, when I got on this new reboot I, and, and you're signing everything of like sex scenes and I knew there were sex scenes on the original, like I didn't totally, I don't think I really thought too much about what that entailed. And then when we were doing them, I was like, oh, right. These are like, cause I had done things before that were like, where you sign that stuff or nudity or something, but not like what that was, which is like full blown. Yeah. <laughs> and oddly, my character, I'm like, okay, I'm in a threesome. I have this whole scene with um, Sepida Gigi in one in the first season. That's like, yes, they're really um, yeah, you do, yeah, they're for real. I mean, they're not for real, but you know, no, they're not for real. <laughs> they're not for real. Don't listen, we, listeners. We, wait a they're second. not for real. <laughs> And that's but, the great thing is you just do it for real and then you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> They're not for real, but I think um I was yeah, actually in terms shocked. of Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say in terms of like I think that for you know, I I'm kind of speaking about like Body parts are actually shown, not always yeah. true in like sex scene on television. That's one thing. Other thing, like um, tons of like kissing that's like supposed to be um, intimate. You know, like not necessarily always true. Like a sex can a sex scene can be like anything can be. Yeah, that can that can cover that can cover so exactly. many different things, right? Like, um, and I've been also in they're I lit. Had... Like people, right. you're trying to kind of see what's going on or like whatever the director wants you to imagine is going on as opposed to like, uh, you know, I'm just imagining that scene. That's like, uh, well, something like game of Thrones where it's like all the sex scenes are actually crimes. And so like, it's yeah. not supposed to be sexy. That's one thing. <laughs> it's a whole other category <laughs> different or, or like something where the sex scenes are supposed to be sort of like background and like, everybody's like got a, like a, the covers are like up to their yeah. shoulders. And it's just not. That. You get out of bed and you bring the comforter with yes, you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Classic. So hard to get off the, to get that off the bed in real life. So heavy. the whole comforter. Yeah, it's, it's a heavy, you know, it takes a second. And where are you taking it? Into the bathroom? I don't know. You got to clean that comforter. Also, it's wrapped around your naked, spoiled yeah. body. Dragged um, across the floor. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, the show, it, I mean, all the directors are, are lesbians and there's a, they're very aware of um, talking it all through and making sure everybody's comfortable and they have hired intimacy coordinators and all of, they, they do everything correctly. Um, however, you can't really, like, get around what you're doing. And I had always sort of seen actors talk about sex scenes where they're like, oh, it's, it's super technical. It's all so technical. And then when we were doing these, I was like, not really. Like, <laughs> like there's technicality. <laughs> like I was like, I was, ex I was very much expecting a little more like hitting marks. Um, and like moving your face in a weird direction to make it look a certain way to camera or something when, I mean, this, both of my two bigger scenes in the first season, I think we shot for over seven hours for oh both my of them. God. Yeah. And they're oh like very, uh, they're like, a, they're taken very seriously. <laughs> and how, how do you, how does that feel for you? Like, how was that experience for you? I mean, like, on a non-deep level, I was like, oh, I don't have to um, worry about wardrobe or being mic'd, and I don't have to know any lines. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, a, it's kind of an easier day for me. <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs> That's yeah, right. Like, cool. like, going cool. to work on those days, I was like, oh. I don't do anything. He's like, I'm off book. I actually, I know what we're doing. I know where to be. I'm, I was off I'm book in the, the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and I don't know. Like, I think, like, I, I know a lot of 
people uh, don't like sort of anything that's salacious or sex scenes or they see it as, you know, people being objectified. But I, I do think that for marginalized groups, especially lesbians, to see that is really important and uh, helpful in a lot of ways. And so I, I very much like that part of the show. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, is the first... I'm trying to think if this is true. But, like, yeah, I mean, for me, when I was, like, a younger person watching the first series, I just definitely didn't even know how to to have sex. Right. So... That's what I mean. Like, Like it's... Like, you couldn't need it. Well, I remember when I was watching when I was watching Queer as Folk for the first time. Have you ever have you seen Queer as Folk? Uh-uh. It's excellent. Well, some parts of it are very excellent. Um, but it's you know it's a scene. It's a it's a series that like sort of revolves around cis gay dudes, and they have sex facing each other, which I like didn't. I was like, what? Like yeah. I remember watching this and being like, how would it even? How? What do you mean? What, how, what are you even talking about? Um, right, right. Not always, but they often have sex facing each other. And because they're having sex facing each other, then they can kiss. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also interesting because, again, if you think about, like, from a violence reduction point of view, like, thinking that when gay cis dudes are having sex with each other, that they, like, are at all emotionally there. Right. I think like that really matters. It's like, exactly. It's like a social totally. justice. Yeah. Uh, detail and also yeah. like real, but I just mean also, you know, I had never seen that. And then I was like, oh, right. Yes. Right. They can look into each other's eyes. Got it. Right. I <laughs> yeah. had been fed garbage previously. So I didn't and know. You, that you don't even know. Like you're not even aware of. And then you see something and you're like, oh, that, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I, I, yeah, I like, I like that piece of the show. And beyond that, since that's the only thing we've talked about about the show. <laughs> well, um, you know what I will say though? I also think for my character, um, Nat, like what I really like about that character is that she is not somebody who leads with sex. She's not somebody that's like uh, overtly sexual or overtly hot or even seemingly like she's into sex um, from a superficial standpoint. And then she is so hypersexual. I really like, and I also think that's underrepresented. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Wait, say more about that. You mean, say more. Well, I What's think, underrepresented about that? I don't think you, I think it's a similar, like, so let's say in like a hetero relationship in, in, in cinema or media, like you mm-hmm. see like sort of a hot guy and a hot woman having sex. And, and that's kind of your way into that. And then you're, so, and, and then on like, uh, in same in lesbian sex, it's like these like, sort of like either butch femme or like hot like women that are just like it's almost for the male gaze where it's like oh it's two women kissing but I think this is for men um and there's I I do feel like my character is um like very secure in her sexuality and she is like unapologetically gay there's no question that she's gay and doesn't even do anything to like be a little cool, I guess. Like I'm like, I'm all like every time I was like, Oh, she just like is down for this. She's doing it. And then she's mad. And then she's like, it's someone that I think you would uh, maybe be annoyed with in life, but it's like, yet she's having a threesome and she's like opening this up with her ex. And she's, you know, she's doing shit where you're like, Oh my God. And then it, like, kind of tracks. Wow. Well, number one, I think you may have positioned yourself outside of hot women. And <laughs> we don't have to do that on this show. 
<laughs> I'm not saying, look, I'm not putting myself down. I'm talking about the character and her clothing. I know. I'm just, it's just good to chuckle around. But, well, I, um, I don't think that I don't think that is a part of that character. She's not supposed to be a hot woman. She's not like leading. She's not leading with it. She's wearing yeah. dresses that like tie in the front and like are like sacks. You know? I don't know if you are in touch with her, Nat, the actual person. But um, can you tell her that her behavior throughout the first season stressed me out to yeah, a degree? That's what I'm saying. That felt really tough in tell terms me. of my digestion well no don't do not with the oh, x so i can tell her we'll see this well, is not this. with the x no no that's what i'm saying it's surprising and then like this was something i i like was like oh this character is really something else like when we had the threesome and i'm sort of like we're getting we're obviously very drunk but i'm kind of the one that has to give permission for everybody to do that like for me to like nat has to give alice permission of yes this is okay i have to tell my ex it's okay and so it it kind of rests on me going like yeah we're gonna do this yeah and we and that was discussed before so like everybody's like okay it's there's like a safe we're not they're not doing that outside of me and i'm not doing it outside of whatever right um and so that permission was like granted in that scene. And then there was the threesome. And then the next morning, I remember talking to Marja, the showrunner, because my like we wake up all three of us in bed. Yeah. Like Alice yep. is like eating the cake. She's like, that was fun. And Gigi's sort of like, whatever, that was nice. And my character is like immediately pissed. Like, <laughs> like upon my eyes, like opening. I'm just like mad at Gigi and I'm mad at the whole situation. And I was like, really had to go like, wait, she, she gave permission. She did it. Like it was all on her. It happened. It seemingly was fine. And now in the morning, just immediately like immediate anger. It's not even regret. It's just like anger. And I like, that was to me a very telling part of my character because I, that was unusual. I was that was unusual to me. That I she was, feel like that is like very. First of all, I love you breaking it down, and I, I think I had like way less compassion for her prior to you breaking it down because that actually sounds kind of human. Like I think to be to be like yeah to be mad to be externally mad after you after one has done so, after you've done something that you're not sure about is like very funny. And right. I have done That's that a million times where I like, like I like fall in a hole and then blame the person next to me. Like that makes, that actually makes a lot of sense. To me. Yeah. That's I will idea. say I'm like, Oh, I, Oh, that's who this person is. Yeah. It, that, that is like a total. Yes. That's really she's funny. not cool. Like she's not, she's not, and she doesn't care. Like she doesn't yeah. care that she's <laughs> like, not that she's unlikable. It's right. like, she like, She's unlikable, and then everyone tells her she's unlikable, and she keeps doing it. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I, and here's I, a, here's I like a, just as a pitch, when y'all put this out, it was like a director's cut or whatever with commentary, will you, do you think it's a good idea if right before the threesome happens, it just cuts to me. I'm not even an introduced character. You don't know who I am. I'm just, I'm, I'm outside of the house. Okay. I'm not even, it's not even clear how I know what's going on inside. It just cuts to me and I go, I don't think this is a good, a good idea. I That's like it. That. That's the whole thing. Yeah. And it just, the whole, everything else plays. And then at the end did. of the season, I come outside and I find you and I go, you were right. <laughs> I should have heard you. <laughs> um it has been so fun talking with you yeah I like, I like loved it and it's so good to see you um before we send you back into your day yeah because now everybody is jazzed for the second season they know more about you they understand that nat makes choices terrible choices (laughs) blames others doesn't care which actually very relatable character Mm -hmm. um 
I think I just want to ask you to shout out a queero, which is a person, place, or thing that made you feel that you can be who you are today. Person, place, or thing. Um, like a queer hero. Like a queer I hero. like that. Queer hero. Um, you know what I really am into right now? And I, and I think this is a noun. Um, that I really am into gay, people that are gay in real life playing gay characters. And I'm also into that. Yeah, I know you obviously have done that. And I, I didn't know that it was as rare as it is. And when I was actually watching Ratchet and I saw Sarah Paulson and Cynthia Nixon, I was like, oh, this is unusual. If yeah. you, and, um, and Tig and I have done it. And I, I really like that about Leisha and I on The L Word. And I like, um, I, I like people that are gay that are playing gay characters. And I find that um, inspiring. Me too. You know, something that I think is true is that it's actually added value because people know how to look at each other in a gay way. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And it's specific. It's specific. Yeah. I, I, I really think anybody who's listening, I think you're getting your money's worth. <laughs> really really adds to the to the value of the thing well huge yeah. congrats on the second season and thanks cameron thanks for your time today this was so fun yeah say hi to tig i will and um this was an absolute pleasure it really was yeah